Okay, so welcome to Wild Women. We've taken a little break because school started and stuff, but a lot has happened. So Camille, what is our topic for today? So we're going to talk mainly about relationships. Lots about relationships. So recently, I went through a breakup and uh, it was my longest relationship. So it was a year and a half almost yeah year and a half I'd say we were living together and stuff and I'll tell you breaking up during a pandemic is not a fun thing um but yeah so like there are some major changes that happened um we were living together so he had to obviously move out because this is my apartment but ultimately like it was you know, a good thing. Now, before I transfer it over to Camille, I just want to talk a little bit about reasons why couples break up. And especially, you know, why people are breaking up during a pandemic, because you'd think that, you know, you'd want to stay with your partner, or you'd have more time to work on your relationship because of the pandemic. But ultimately, what it also does is if you guys aren't meant for each other, then that's going to be accentuated as well. Um, So for me, I guess it started, you know, a couple months into the last lockdown when me and my ex-boyfriend were first living together. And, you know, I told him about some of my concerns and so on. And um, they were just never addressed. And then I just kind of gave up on trying to fix things. And before you know it, it was just more of like being together because we were comfortable together. And there wasn't any like big fights or anything like that. You know, ultimately we were growing apart. And I guess that that was like the biggest reason why we broke up. And yeah, so Camille, do you want to talk about your current situation? Sure, so next month, Uh, It's going to be six months with my partner and it's interesting because it's the first partner that I'm with that is also into like self-growth and like being conscious in a relationship and trying to work things out and not just like avoiding the issues and uh, he's big on communication I would say even more than me which is surprising because I like communication but Um, One thing that I do want to mention and talk a little bit about is attachment styles. And I would say that was one of the big issues with our relationship at first um, because he was an anxious attachment style and I was really avoidant. And for me, that was a little bit new because all my past partners uh, used to be mostly like avoidant attachment style or at least in the recent years. So what happens is you like, you have one main attachment style, but you also have a tendency to attract the opposite attachment style in your partners. Since they were the avoidant one, then I became the anxious one. So it was really, it was hard for me to try and be comfortable in the relationship at first and I'll try to like self-sabotage it but yeah I think we're getting better at it I would say (laughs) we haven't had um fights in a while 
because we're actually like sitting down and talking things through. So that's good. And that's, and that's so, so important. And that was definitely something that like, you know, in my last relationship that was, you know, lacking a little bit when my needs or desires weren't, weren't being fulfilled. Mm -hmm. I gave up trying to tell him. Obviously, I had my reasons when it came to, you know, all the last few times I had, like, just being more disappointed than anything. Yeah. So it was just weird to avoid it, avoid it. But ultimately, like, and I guess my ex said it best, you know, it was too little too late, right? Mm -hmm. Um, there's this song that I'm thinking of right now, and it's called Things a Man Ought to Know. And it's a country singer. And she, the whole song is just about, you know, the man knowing when to stay or knowing when to go and like knowing um, when to do certain things and knowing not to, like knowing when not to, you know? And like, ultimately like, I, I guess I just, that song just resonates with me so much because yeah, a man should know that, you know, they shouldn't, it shouldn't be to the point where they're, you know, driving up to the driveway and like knocking on the door and like trying to beg the girl to come out. No, they shouldn't, like, they should know not to let it get to that point in the first place, you know? So yeah, yeah, communication so important in relationships I think a big part of it that we talked about too was like that person has to make you feel special right because if not like like you don't feel like there's a reason for being together and that's I think it comes back to like your song and what you're saying too is if someone doesn't make you special you won't want to stay exactly exactly and like for me the word I like to use is I want to feel wanted mm -hmm. you know I want to feel wanted by my partner you know whether we're one month into the relationship or three years down the road I want to be wanted you know and I guess part of that is because um we are in a world where we're constantly you know wrapped up in social media and there's like you're constantly meeting people you're connecting with people and ultimately like and I hate to say this but your partner has to be the one that wants you the most you know like yeah sure you need to have a bunch of other things like you know common interests like you said Camille you and your boyfriend you guys actually like are focused on like growing together and so on too but ultimately, if you're not being wanted by that one person, then you're gonna, you're gonna move on, you know, someone else, cause someone else is gonna make you feel wanted. Mm -hmm. It's so easy for someone else to make you feel wanted, especially if that person wants to, like, has met you for the first time and wants to be with you, you know, so um, a note to any men and women out there, always make your partner feel wanted, make them feel special, make them feel, um, make them feel sacred, you know, like your relationship with them, it has to be sacred. It's something that no one else can ever have. And you have to honor that. 
Mm -hmm. And I feel like a big thing is if someone makes you feel confused about where your relationship is at, that's an indication that um, there's problem. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and a big problem I feel with our like generation is that everything is our like always a quick fix, right? We like it's instant gratification. And as soon as like we get bored or we get uncomfortable or we like something new, then like we throw out what we have and we try to focus on, you know, the grass is greener somewhere else. But right. relationship takes time and it takes effort and it takes it takes you to actually show up. Mm, yeah, 100%, 100%. And especially with your significant other, if you say that you're going to do something, if you say that you're going to show up, you're, you better move hell or high water to do that. You know, like, that's so important. And yeah, I, I love that you mentioned, you know, the grass is always greener. Like, we're always looking for that quick fix that something better and yeah relationships are messy compared to dating like very messy compared to dating and especially like when you are spending so much time with someone they start to see you in your vulnerable mm -hmm. moments see them in their vulnerable moments and you know like sometimes I know for me at least it's really hard for you know, a new boyfriend or a new significant other to like see me as like not perfect. I have this mm -hmm. really like perfect front on, you know, for those first few dates and like everything's great and I'm productive and like I look good and like I work out and like I do this, that or the other, like everything about me, like I've checked off all the boxes for myself for that person. But like, really like, no, I have my bad days. You know, I cry over the fact that I can't clean my shower properly. Like I've definitely have meltdowns because I feel like I'm not doing enough with my life. You know, like mm -hmm. I have very, a lot of vulnerable things about me that um, I don't always feel comfortable showing to like new partners and so on with thinking that they just will lose interest or something. And I guess that's kind of at the back of my mind all the time because that's how I am, you know, like I'm super understanding. I, I, I like it when people, people are vulnerable. I think that's important, but um, I'm also someone who does have to push back those, push back those, the grass is always greener, push back the wanting instant gratification because like that stuff is easy, mm -hmm. you know? so easy I think it's important to mention too that like a relationship should feel safe like you should feel safe to be able to be vulnerable with your partner to like because everyone has triggers everyone has insecurities and you should be able to feel safe in your relationship with those two you need someone that's going to be able to hold that space for you that's going to be able to support you through those difficult times right yeah exactly and that's why like when your partner does something that you don't like or that you or that you just can't handle then tell them tell them right away tell them when it happens or like if you're out in public if you're with like family or friends you know like 
um, do it later on that day. But what I'm saying is don't put it off, you know, mm. don't things build up to the point where all of a sudden you, you lose it over something small. It's like, you know, the straw that broke the camel's back, you know, like, but really, if you just deal with those minor issues right away, then you don't have to worry about them later. They just become part of your relationship. And like, hopefully your partner takes them to heart and realizes, oh, okay, like, I know this about her now, or I know that about him now. So I have to avoid those things, or I have to support them a little bit more in those things. And that can be, that. Honestly, I think those are the things that build the backbone of the relationship. That's what makes you guys stronger is when you're that person, that person that can accept your partner for every, for every aspect, the good and the bad. And like, I think it's, oh, I say this too much, but it's important to remember that Communication is like so important in relationship because if you don't communicate, then you're not building anything. You're really not because it, you can only really build intimacy through communicating. And part of it is also communicating about your limits, your needs, and your boundaries. So while you mentioned that word, intimacy, what does intimacy mean right now? Like in our in our society, in a pandemic, what does intimacy mean? Well, there's different kind of intimacy as well, right? Like there's physical, there's emotional. For some people, there's even the spiritual. So what I find interesting about, and like I say that it's interesting and I say that it's new, but how new is it really you know like people have been doing a lot of like i'm talking about virtual intimacy right now mm. um but people have been doing that kind of stuff for a while i think i guess just right now a lot of people especially like in the new like in the new dating world like virtual intimacy is like everything at first right like you don't mm. want to be meeting new people too often and so on but yeah, so when we're thinking about intimacy, what is the first thing that comes to mind for you, Camille? I see dating as like, well, at least a lot of people see it as like a game of chess, right? You try to play your cards right. But I think intimacy comes when you're actually being like honest and you're not trying to get anything out of it you're just being yourself yeah yeah no I totally agree like whereas there's a lot lots of parts about the relationship where fun and they're spontaneous and they're um they're lively and they're happy but like when it comes to something like intimacy like that's that's authentic you know that's raw that's you and that's them you know like it's not there's no how do I put it there's there's no middle ground well or there's no space in the middle between intimacy and the relationship like it has to be you know just on the same on the same spectrum you know whereas like I guess what I'm trying to say like when it comes to like dating you know there's 
planning and there's this, that, and the other, and you show up to the date and, you know, maybe one of the partners has something planned for later on and they might not be totally present in that moment because, you know, they're thinking about those other things that are going to happen. And, but when it comes to intimacy, it's not like that, you know, intimacy is probably one of the most important times to be present. And that's what a lot of people struggle with because in our society, we're constantly thinking about what we have to do next, about what's our next goal? What's our next step? Where's, how is the next thing that we're going to do going to be embodying our purpose? You know, we're constantly thinking into the future, but when it comes to relationships and when it comes to intimacy in our relationships, we have to be present. Mm. So Camille, how can we be a little bit more present? That's a good question. No, right? (laughs) Um, hmm. Well, for me, I would say like the number one thing is like, put your phone down. (laughs) We're so much like used to always being on our phone. And what I find really funny, I mean, not right now, because you know, there was the lockdown. But when I went to like restaurants, and then you would see couples, and they would both be on their phones. That's like, I don't think you're actually making the best out of your night. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, uh, I don't know, maybe, maybe they aren't a couple or maybe, you know, but (laughs) I guess what you're getting at and I totally get it. And we see it way too often, you know, like we see it like this really cute couple comes in, they hold hands for a little bit, they get their first drink and then it's like, "Mm." Okay, let's look at the phone. You know what I mean? Like, but yeah, no, that's a great, that's a great point. No phones. And the other point I want to make, and this sounds kind of counterproductive when it comes to presentness in intimacy with your partner, but I'd suggest, you know, being, practicing being present by yourself. Oh, yes. And that way, when you are practicing it by yourself, then, you know, when you do it with other people, it's, it's easy, it's normal, it's natural, right? And I, I'm someone who has definitely had to adopt that because I did struggle with anxiety and so on. So, and one of the biggest things when it comes to anxiety is that you're worried. And why are you worried? Well, you're thinking about the future, you're not present. So because of that, you know, I adopted a lot of different things where everything I did, I tried to focus on that one thing at once, you know? So when it came to schoolwork, I'd I'd sit wherever I needed to in the house, but, you know, no TV, no distractions, no phone. So I'm practicing that focus on just one thing, that focus on being present. Even honestly, meditation is probably the best, the best example of doing this you know, you're just sitting there and you're focusing, you're focusing on your breath or you're focusing on that one spot on the wall. I'm not sure how everyone likes to meditate, but I usually close my eyes. So I'm focusing on my breath. Um, But even workouts, stretching, you know, like Mm -hmm. don't answer your phone, turn off the notifications and just follow, follow your exercise guide or follow your yoga guide. Or if you're watching, you know, an exercise video, then just watch that. But just don't have other things that are distracting you. Can I add something? 
because I saw a movie recently and it made me think because it's it's like it was extreme but it's quite I think representative of like how we are um in the movie there was like a sex scene and the girl was just thinking about her grocery list and then in the middle she's taught to write it down and I'm like <laughs> like maybe we won't necessarily stop to do it but let's be honest we've all had intercourse where we were like really in our head and not actually present in our bodies and like how we felt yeah. and yeah so it comes back to like actually feeling mm -hmm. yeah and being comfortable with that feeling you know like a lot of us uh, uh well at least for me being comfortable with that feeling of being present and being in that moment and being comfortable with your partner in those intimate moments mm -hmm. that is so important but at first it can be uncomfortable, you know, to be so close and so connected to someone when you're actually present and when you're not in your head thinking about other things and like um, actually focusing on the task at hand, um, then it's, it's a different feeling. And if you can live in that feeling and if you can actually embody it and embrace it instead of you know pushing it away with our thoughts then your experience in that intimate moment is going to be so much different than if you were to just not be present you know oh, for sure for sure and like also like the satisfaction that you'll get out of that is totally different if you're present or not yeah, yeah, 100%, 100%. And like satisfaction through intimacy is also super important in a, in a relationship. A relationship can't survive if that satisfaction isn't there or if it's not fulfilled or if, you're, if your partner is constantly desiring something that you're not giving them, you're excused or part of my French but you're fucked <laughs> yeah I think we can like go from there into like talking about our needs because I have a tendency to really take for granted that people are mind readers so I don't always tell them um what I need and I'll just like give hints but apparently it's not always clear so I think that's a big part of communication too is like telling your needs like clearly honestly but also after telling like your limits yeah oh yeah a hundred a hundred percent and especially like say you do meet someone who's you know like perfect for you or you do meet someone that you know you guys just have like a great relationship you guys have that spark you guys have that chemistry it's really hard sometimes to remember that just because you guys are so similar and you guys get along so well, um, it's hard to remember that they, they're they still not gonna know exactly everything you want all the time. Mm -hmm. You know, you kind of have to like force yourself to tell them and force yourself to tell them before it's like, before it's too late, before you get frustrated because it's easy to get frustrated, especially when 
And especially when you're having one of those bad days, you know, one of those bad days where you need your desires fulfilled, right? But if you try to tell your partner in that moment, well, you're already frustrated. The, like the communication aspect probably won't be ideal because let's be real here. When we are frustrated, we're, we don't always talk nicely. You know, <laughs> let's agitate your partner. And then all of a sudden you're trying to express what you need, but it's not in a healthy way. Mm-hmm. So it's so important to make sure that like you're addressing your wants and your needs and your limits at a time that that's beneficial you know that at a time that you can actually do it nicely and calmly and healthily Mm -hmm. Um, and like no relationship is perfect let's be honest even if it might look like it online it's not everybody has some kind of ticks um everybody has some kinds of triggers even if it's not maybe big ones they're still there and so we have to like take a step back sometimes and actually be like okay those are yours but I'm not gonna like I'm gonna be there for you in a gentle way but like for example for someone if what they usually do is scream at you you're allowed to say, okay, I see where you're coming from, but I don't accept that you're going to treat me like that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's another thing too, like learning how to have that healthy communication with your partner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. Like in movies, it seems so great when, you know, the guy and the girl get into like this huge fight just to have like the most passionate sex. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah that seems amazing on the outside but actually experiencing that like a you've just yelled at each other for the last two hours and then b you're avoiding the actual issues by just having sex and then c it's exhausting (laughs) and are those issues ever going to get resolved you know like Mm -hmm. and I think that's where some people fall into the trap of like emotionless sex or non-conscious sex you know and when I say non-conscious I don't mean you know drunk sex I don't mean high sex what I mean is like not actually um, being completely aware of like what you're doing you know and just like doing the act Mm -hmm. yeah and like we've been talking about sex is an intimate thing and it's not just about doing it there's so many other aspects of it that make sex good Mm -hmm. if you're only addressing the one aspect even if you do have great sex if you're upset or if you're um, mad or if you're not present like it's not gonna feel the same right Oh, totally. One thing I do want to touch base on is expectations. If you have too high expectations of like, for example, Valentine's Day, if you had too much expectation, too high expectation of like what, how it was supposed to be, what they were supposed to give you, like everything, um, you're going to be frustrated. You're going to feel hurt because the expectations, expectations that you put on them first of all they'll feel it like you're not actually satisfied and then you're just gonna 
I won't say like ruined the moment, but it's not going to be as great as it could be if you started with like just like you said, being present instead of being in your head and how it should be. Um, yeah, no, expectations are so, they're, they're so important, but sometimes they're also a little bit unreasonable. Mm -hmm. you know? um, sometimes there has to be compromise, at least like, like address the expectations, but also realize that you know, life is just a perfect imperfection and understanding how you can, how you can find, you know, the beauty and the love in those imperfections, especially in your relationship imperfections. Like there's so many of them, so many of them, but when we can embrace them and make something good about it, like good about them and have what some life coaches call a positive intent, then the situation can be changed completely, whether they met your expectations or not, you know? And sometimes your expectations can be met in a different way, right? Like they don't have to be met the exact way that you expected them to be met. Like your ultimate, and that's one thing when you're thinking about your expectations, like what do you really want? You know, like for example, um, since we were, you were talking about Valentine's Day, we just passed it. Let's say the expectation was, you know, this beautiful hotel room, rose, rose petals everywhere, lovely dinner, champagne. That was your expectation for Valentine's Day. And your partner decided not to do that for Valentine's Day. You know, he might have a different love language than you do and for him his you know surprise for valentine's day was just an intimate homemade dinner with you know no flowers but with candles or and with wine instead of champagne you know just but ultimately what did you want like what was your like the root of your expectation because ultimately, like the whole point of Valentine's Day is doing something nice together, right? And yeah, sure, you may have wanted the hotel room and the champagne and the roses, but you're still getting that time together in what he did for you. And not only is, are you getting that time together, but he's showing you what's important to him, you know, like he's showing you his love language. He's showing you love. You know, this is how he portrays his love, he or she. So, you know, you can't, um, what I'm saying is that those expectations that you have, set them aside and sometimes let your partner just take the reins and learn from that too. Yeah. Sometimes we like to control things, but in a relationship, we have to let go a little of that control and trust that our partner will be able to do things right, even if it's not your way. Yeah. And that doesn't only go for, you know, 
the expectations and like expectations during important things you know that that goes for like the little thing you know like if you clean the dishes in the dishwasher and your partner wants to clean them by hand like it doesn't matter either way the dishes are getting cleaned right mm -hmm. yeah talking about like what you just said I think love languages and like needs and stuff. Well, for example, like sometimes we show love differently and we've talked about it in our first relationship um, podcast episode, mm -hmm. but sometimes that also means like we have different expectations of what a relationship should look like. So for example, like when I first started my relationship, my partner wanted to see me more often than I did I was kind of really like I needed space I needed to like go slower than him I needed like to have my bubble and my own time and so I was like nah leave me alone <laughs> but for him that felt like a rejection I'm pretty sure so we had to communicate about like what we wanted and what felt right for us and then like you said, compromise. There's a lot of compromise in a relationship. Yeah, yeah. And that's another thing too, like in relationships, it's also really important to still be yourself. It's important mm -hmm. your independence. You know, as much as you might love spending time with someone and want to spend all that time with them, you still need to make sure that you still have your own life, right? Mm -hmm. like, then we can fall into codependency yeah. where you know and that can cause I mean I sort of have some type of codependency with my cats because if I'm gone <laughs> with my cats for longer than two days like I start to get anxious but like you know that can happen in a relationship but to an extreme level mm -hmm. um, and you can't function without that person and that's not healthy but in, you know, living in your independence and making sure that you still have space with your partner, that doesn't necessarily mean that you can't be in the same area. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. you can be in the same place and just be like, look, I got to do this right now. And you do whatever you want, but I, I need to do this. And I guess I'm speaking more to, you know, the couples who like live together right? Especially during a pandemic, you're together all the time. But, you know, just making sure that you still have your own spaces where you can do what you need to do, or just be by yourself every now and then. That is so, so important. Yeah. And Camille, how do you navigate, you know, being independent in your relationship? Like I said, I have a tendency to be avoided a little bit. So whenever I feel like that person is being too close, I'm going to try and push them back a little. I'm working on that. But that meant like, because one of my biggest fear was being codependent because I feel like my first relationship, like serious relationship, I was codependent with my partner. So that's a fear I have. And so it's learning what healthy boundaries are without being like avoidant or without pushing them back. And one thing that was 
like a problem is sometimes like people pleasing, right? And sometimes you don't want to disappoint your partner. And so you don't say anything, but then they show up and like you want it actually a night to yourself. Well, that creates conflict because they can feel that like you're not really all there and like you're not in the mood. And like, so being honest in the is the first step, like being honest before they show up, being like, hey, like, it's not that I don't want to see you. Also, like, it's the way you say it, right? It's not that I don't want to see you, but I need time to myself to recharge. Exactly, exactly. And that's okay to have those times. Yeah. But um, I do want to speak to one thing when it comes to that. And it's the, why do you want to be alone? Do you want to be alone because you actually want want to practice you know your self-care and like be independent and like work on your other relationships with friends and family or do you want to be alone because you want to engage in self-destructive habits Ooh, yes that's important you know i'm talking to those people who do have mental illness who do have eating disorders that hurt them right so like if, I don't know, if you really want to get drunk and your partner isn't really into that, mm-hmm. and so you want your night alone, well, is having that night alone and getting shit-faced and then being hungover for the next two days, is, is that actually good? Or is having your partner there so that you only have one, two, or three drinks actually better for you Mm. um and that's I I guess like that's always been a big thing for me you know like I wanted my time alone I want to be independent but like I as I got older I had to realize oh like you know I want my time alone because I want to exercise for three hours or I want my time alone because I want to drink a bottle of wine and not talk to anyone you know and those those aren't good reasons, you know? So when that happens, that's when you can lean on your partner. And that's a time where you can be open and honest with them, you know, about who you are and about things that you struggle with, right? And that'll build, that'll make you guys, it'll make you feel better about you making that decision and it'll bring the relationship closer too, right? Totally, yeah. That's a really good point. Now, we're, we're gonna talk about some of the not so great parts about some relationships. So the first thing I wanna talk about is trauma bonding. So Camille, can you give us a little general definition for trauma bonding? Yeah, so I think there's like actually like two ways to look at it. There's like, when you meet someone, and however they treat you triggers some part of either like your insecurities, your attachment style or whatever. So for example, like if, and that sadly happens a lot in like abusive relationship or toxic relationship, which we're gonna talk a little bit the difference uh, later. Uh, when you're with someone that triggers the same old ones um, that you 
So like, for example, like if your one of your caregiver was really distant and avoidant and invalidate like your feelings and then you find yourself in a relationship with someone that actually does that to you that's a that's a kind of trauma bonding very common for people to do that Mm -hmm. and then there's the other kind where like something happens in like during the relationship like some kind of trauma and you bound over that So like sometimes that might look like you stay with that person because you feel like they have been there for you through that. And that's a kind of trauma bonding too. Mm -hmm. And I can definitely speak to that like personally, like in my last relationship, I, I had an abortion and my partner at the time or my ex boyfriend, he was so, so great through that abortion. And like, when you have an abortion, you were pregnant. So you do go through like postpartum and stuff like that. And he was there for me every step of the way from my first appointment until six months later, when I finally felt like I was getting my normal body back and my normal mind back again, you know, so I guess there was that part of me that was just like, oh, like, this is my person because he was there through that whole moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Whereas like that wasn't a great reason to stay in a relationship that wasn't good for either of us, you know? Like I said, like we didn't fight like crazy or anything like that, but it's not fair to me not feeling like my needs are being fulfilled and it's not fair to him the fact that I wanted something more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, for example, like, for me, that was a thing too, in my last relationship, because that person was there for me when I was grieving. And so I remember telling one of my friends that I feel I felt like I owed it to him to stay because he had been there for me through like my dark times. Mm -hmm. But then she told me like, like, it's a choice he made to be there for me. And that's great. But I, it didn't mean that I, I owed anything to that person. And if like the person isn't ready to like help themselves, there's nothing more you can do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And, and, and yeah, that's, that's just it. If they're not ready or if like we say sometimes that person wasn't ready to change, but sometimes they don't they just want, don't to. want to. Yeah. yeah. And that that's a shitty thing to come to realize but like sometimes you know like that's the reality like you might value something but the person that you're with might not Mm -hmm. especially if it's one of your core values and you keep trying and trying and trying to get this person to understand that core value of yours but ultimately it might just not be their core value um so the next I guess two points we'll kind of talk to them about together um about like negative parts of relationships but that are important to think about are toxic and abusive relationships so what's the difference um so for me really like toxic relationship is a dynamic so you both have uh your own like part of the street that you need to clean up some Uh, triggers that you need to work on 
And obviously, if one of the person is not ready to do that, well, there's not much you can do with that relationship. And the best thing to do is leave. In my opinion, if like you've tried everything and nothing is working. Um, but yeah, toxic relationship is when two people have some kind of responsibility, either like it's conscious or unconscious. Like I said, maybe like it's old ones that like you have from your childhood that you haven't actually looked at or healed. And then your abusive relationship is really when one person in the relationship has the power, has dominance over the other, um, controlling and like all those really red flags that they tell you about. Yeah. So like an example of a toxic relationship, it would be like that couple who, you know, let's say they're both in university, but they also both love binge drinking on the weekends. And like when they start binge drinking, they start fighting, you know, that would be an example of a toxic relationship because each of them are reinforcing their negative habits, mm -hmm. right? they're hurting each other because of that reinforcement of those negative habits. But a abusive relationship, what's interesting about abusive relationships is because they're usually the ones that start out the most wonderful. Yeah. They're usually the ones where, and I'll talk about men and women relationships for this one, but they're usually the ones where the woman is like oh he buys me flowers oh he does this for me oh he texts me all the time oh he tells me he's always thinking about me oh he makes me feel so good he makes me feel so special and that's how most of them start so when all of a sudden these little red flags come up and the thing is they they don't happen like a, you don't go from like a wonderful relationship to an abusive relationship right away mm -hmm. you know it's a progression it's a process mm -hmm right? And that's what kind of makes me mad about the fact that people are like, oh, well, how, how could she stay with them if he's hitting her? How could she stay with them if, you know, he, he gets super drunk and yells at the kids all the time, you know? But like, the thing is that doesn't happen overnight, you know? And it starts with the little things. It starts with, oh, your skirt's too short. Or, oh, you can't see your friends this weekend. Or, oh, you can only have two glasses of wine. You know, it starts with those little things. And you rationalize them. Mm -hmm. Like, women rationalize those things. Like, oh, he doesn't want me to wear a short skirt because he likes me to himself. And I will do that because like, I just want him to myself too. Or, oh, he's telling me I can only have two glasses of wine because he doesn't want me to get, to get drunk and like feel, not feel good, you know? But it's, it's not that, you know, it's- controlled. It's about the, yeah, it's about the intention behind it. Do they actually want the best for you or they're like being controlling, possessive? And catching that early is really important because I truly believe that if you're with a partner who is controlling, there's a lot of people who are very controlling. It doesn't necessarily mean that they're abusive, but there's a lot of partners that are very controlling. 
and picking up on those control cues right away and addressing them. Yes, yes. With them in a healthy way, all of a sudden that progression to an abusive relationship is stopped. Mm -hmm. Because when you put your limit, that's where you can see if that person respects you enough to change them and respect it or where they're like, they try to assert their dominance even more. Right, right. And, um, and you'll notice it right away, you know, like those abusive relationships that start off great and then have this natural progression into abusiveness. If that person is actually abusive and isn't gonna change, then you'll figure that out as soon as it starts happening right? You don't get stuck into that rationalizing of all the red flags, right? Mm -hmm. You can actually like address it at that moment. And then there's less time for you to be connected to that person. And ultimately it's easier to like end things with them at that point, right? Yeah. And we have the savior complex where we feel responsible to save our partner, but a healthy relationship doesn't need you to save someone. A healthy relationship, and let's be honest, you can't fix someone else. It's not your job, even as a partner. So it's also, I think it comes back to like self-worth. And I know like it's really hard to say that because if you have someone that constantly makes you feel like shit, you're going to start believing it. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, it's about taking back your power. A lot about like abusive relationship is they cut you out of your support system. So it's mm-hmm. gaining that back slowly. So then you can feel more empowered to eventually leave. And one thing about abusive relationship that I do want to mention, because you said like people don't understand is the moment where someone leaves is the most dangerous moment for that person. It's the moment where um, they're the most at risk. So make sure you have a safety plan in place. Mm-hmm. And like, there's a reason why there's women's shelters all over the world. Well, all over Canada. And yeah, and it's because it is dangerous. It's so dangerous. And especially like in like the economy we live in, like money is a huge factor too. You know, where do you go if you have no job, no savings, you've lost your support system because of your abusive partner and you have kids, where are you going to go? Like there's so many other factors that women in those abusive relationships have to consider. And sometimes getting the odd punch in the face is a little bit better than having to be homeless basically and the one thing too with abusive relationship is it's a cycle right so oftentimes like after the violence or whatever happens there's also that honeymoon phase that comes back where they like they apologize and they make you believe they'll change and they'll become better and everything but truth is like if someone treated you that way more than once, they're going to do it again. Yeah, it's a vicious cycle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. On Facebook, I see a lot of, oh, well, my partner was like such a narcissist. But the thing is, like, 
yeah first of all that's like a diagnostic like a mental illness it's not like something that someone can be selfish and not be narcissistic there's a difference and like he can be a douchebag and not be a narcissistic you know what I mean and we have to stop like normalizing um toxic relationship as abusive one because it's different yeah a hundred percent a hundred percent same thing same thing with the word psychopath too I hate Mm -hmm. when people are using words that actually describe a mental illness not a mental issue a mental Mm -hmm. illness you know people get diagnosed with you know narcissism people get diagnosed with being a psychopath and that's something that they get medical treatment for right but if someone's just being an asshole they're just being an asshole if someone's selfish then they're just being selfish you know like it's not the same you're not gonna go to a psychiatrist and be like so I'm an asshole what do I do (laughs) (laughs) I mean I may have said that once but like I wasn't serious (laughs) yeah but the point is like um, the percentage of the population that actually has that type of mental illness is pretty slim and so you also have to ask yourself why do you keep dating that kind of person like what is it about it that like attracts you is it because it's comfortable because you don't want to be intimate with them or does does it also like validate your feelings of unworthiness yeah So, yeah, I guess, like, on that final note, ultimately, a relationship starts with you. Mm -hmm. You Your first marriage is the one you have with yourself. Mm -hmm. First time you say, I love you, it should be to yourself. And then once you've done that, and once you've gone, worked through those issues with your relationship with yourself, whether it's mental, physical, emotional, once you've done that, then you can start loving someone else. Yeah. And one thing I want to add, because I like I saw quotes where like, you can't love someone else if you don't love yourself. I want to change that because it's not totally true. Like you can love someone else even if you don't fully like love yourself. I want to say you can only love someone as deep as you love yourself so that means like the relationship you have you with others is like a mirror with the relationship that you have with yourself if you treat yourself right you will have tended a tendency to attract people that will treat you right too and i say attract but that's also comes in like boundaries right obviously exactly well, thank you for listening. Hopefully you learned a thing or two about having a relationship and also about honoring yourself. Mm-hmm. And if you are struggling with an abusive relationship, please reach out. There's so many support out there for you. And I know it's scary, but you can get out of this. Mm-hmm. There's a lot more resources than people tend to know. Mm -hmm. so i wish you the best take care of yourself and we will see you soon
Bye.